TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Badlands podcast, the only podcast out there that is 100% chiseled and is proudly part of the Chairshot Media Group, and it's also now available on Smart to Death Radio. I am Mags, and this is going to be the last time I'm going to keep mentioning how much of a of a, a good run of episodes Paul's turned up to now, because it's getting a little bit boring. I think it's like eight episodes in a row. Uh, so, yeah. Hello to my uh, my illustrious co-host, Mr. Paul Tully. What a knock I'm on, eh? D- doing yeah. well. It not, doesn't quite match yours, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm doing all right. I, I'm grateful to you two for, uh, for um, well, at first I was grateful for you two for, for rescheduling so I can continue my good run. And then, uh, <laughs> and then because we've moved this episode forward uh, one day and I prepared for the wrong topic, I... <laughs> I sure changed myself on how much prep time I had. So, so which, um, which topic did you prep for? Well, I I read. Uh, well, I'm going to give away the topic, aren't I? But I read tonight's topic is not the worst ever pay per views. Okay. Mr. Tolly read worst ever pay per views. So, <laughs> but I've corrected that now. I can veto them if you want to put forward your worst ever pay per views. I mean, <laughs> technically, they do include a match. Just yeah. quite a few horrible matches. Um, but at least I've got I've got that work done now. If we ever do that topic, yeah, that, that's exactly why I went with this topic because I already pre-prepared doing a, another podcast and thought, you know what, that's a good idea. I'm lazy that. bastard. Lazy bastard. <laughs> No, I picked different picks. No, I've researched different picks. It was just a thought. It was a good idea. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's uh, introduce the guest that we've roped into this uh, into this topic. And just for context, listeners, when I uh, I told our guest this topic, his reply was, "Oh, fuck off!" <laughs> so he knew we'd been bummed out with a terrible topic. It's uh, it's James from That Nazi's Wrestling Podcast. James, how are you? Very good, Max. Thanks for having me. It's a long time coming. Uh, hi again, Paul. Uh, chatted, uh, I think it was a few weeks ago when we chatted, but uh, me and Mags, uh, it's been quite a while ago now. I think uh, when I've done my second show, you was there to the helping hand, and uh, it's been a long time coming, so I'm glad you invited me to come on. Yeah, no problem. It's, uh, it was, it's a pleasure to have you on, and yeah, your podcast has kind of took... It's kind of took a, a, a massive change over the last few uh, weeks or so, going from how it originally started. You've really kind of yeah. rolled with punches and, and you pulled out some amazing interviews. Uh, let us know about how that, that kind of worked out. How did you, how did you like, kind of change from reviewing uh, crappy pay-per-views from the 90s to talking to, talk to some of the, the big names in, in wrestling today? Yeah, so obviously the name of my podcast makes no sense at all. <laughs> these days <laughs> I guess um, I'll be honest so the original concept uh, one of my favourite wrestling podcasts is OSW Review uh, the three Irish guys and they started reviewing the wrestling PPVs from uh, Wrestlemania 1 onwards and I love their show so I thought oh that's a popular show I'll try and rip off that gimmick <laughs> um, and it was good okay but it's weird the reason it changed and it's so random that it did change because um, 
of all the people who came on to my show, um, it was just the, uh, the the lady from TNA, Goldilocks. Uh, she was like one of the interviewers, and she messaged me, and she was like, oh, I would like to come on the show. I'm like, okay, then, and got talking to her, and I was like, I like this interview, Malarkey, and uh, I thought, I wonder if I can get some more guests on. And just basically, you know, accepting, re- believe me, I've been rejected so many times, uh, getting, sending off emails. And I thought, fuck it, I'll just um, try and uh, get some guests. Imagine to uh, message one guy from Impact. He pushed me along to the next guy, got to talk to the media relations guy, George Foreman. And one thing led to another. And now I've been interviewing Impact stars. And yes, uh, so I've interviewed Ace Austin which was Diana Peraza, which my co-host was very happy with because he had a massive crush on there. Uh, and uh, Eric Young, we interviewed the other week, which was great because I've watched him since 06 now. And yeah, so the show now, um, it's evolved from, uh, like, the pay-per-view reviews is definitely on the back burner for now. Um, now I really am focused on getting the interviews. And like I said, uh, the other week, um, last week, interview Nick Aldis, which us British fans, you know, he's our guy, like first English world champion in the major company and that, you know what I mean? And uh, he was a great talk to and uh, got a few surprises in the in the pipeline coming up. So uh, hopefully they come forward. But yeah, so now when people ask me, what does that 90s wrestling podcast mean? I just try and say to them, oh, well, we was all brought up in the 90s and that was our era. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we only talked about probably about four weeks ago, and it feels like you've blown up since then. You, you're so good at what you do. I really, yeah. your interviews oh, are excellent. You. That's, that's a real skill, and uh, and, and you're excellent at it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I've listened to podcasters who's got interviews, and some like channels I've watched, I've had some pretty good, uh, pretty good guests. And don't get me wrong, my first interview, I was nervous. But when I've seen these people interview these stars, they're very timid and they don't, they just like, okay, yes. And they, just, they there's like no oomph, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And um, don't, I, I try not to talk over the guests, but when I'm interviewing these people, I like to just talk to them like I'm having a conversation with like you guys, if you know what I mean. And I try to keep it lighthearted, have a b- bit of back and forth laughter with them. And um, yeah, it's definitely changed, and especially now the show has become more YouTube based. I suppose. Don't uh, I have started put, to put the interviews back on the, uh, audio platforms as well? Because obviously, I know not everyone wants to look at a screen for two or three hours watching an interview, <laughs> so they rather just stick the headphones in and listen to it at work or such. But but, um, but yeah, um, I think one of the things I've realised my strength uh, through uh, doing these episodes is that I'm not too bad at actually interviewing the guests and coming up with subjects to talk to them. So uh, that means a lot, Paul. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Perhaps when lockdown's over, you could uh, you could take your uh, car studio out on the road and uh, <laughs> do, do like a Jerry Seinfeld interviewing people in the back of your car. Yeah, that would be absolutely amazing. <laughs> That'd be great. Here's an idea for you. <laughs> wow. That'd be uh, awesome, man. Yeah, it, it's actually been really cool to see. Um, it's not often you get a chance to to kind of watch a podcast or listen to podcasts from episode one and and watch how they've evolved. But it's been really good to be able to see that with uh, with you. You've done, you've hit, you've hit the ground running. You you're way better at now than I was when I was at, at that that many episodes in. So yeah, keep killing it. 
Oh, thank you. Um, I think someone said to me, what's the secret getting guests? And I said, there's no secret. I said, basically, I said, prepare yourself for rejection. Like I've been rejected from uh, Jeff Jarrett, um, you know, people like that. And I've had um, some wrestlers, I won't name them, uh, but asking me for money, you know, to, for them to come onto my show, which I won't pay guests. Um, I'm, I'm trying to help promote your brand. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, you know, so it, it's one of them things. I, I do enjoy it. It, re- it really is great, like talking to these people I've grown up watching. And, um, you know, it, it, it's a privilege to be able to speak to them. And like I said to you before, Mags and Paul, I've loved every interview I've done, but me Nick Aldis interview, that's the one for me. And mm-hmm. me numbers as well, uh, like audio and YouTube, it smashed me numbers and uh, got some great stories, yeah. especially it, the it, Bruce Pritchard situation. He gave me the scoop on that. <laughs> it, it, it was a, uh, an outstanding interview. And like I said, you, you, you made him almost feel kind of uh, at ease straight away. Uh, and, Nick, Nick Aldis is a scholar and a gent, and I won't have a bad word said about that guy. <laughs> and it's great as well, because, um, I mean, he was a legit gent. I've, I've actually um, asked him tonight. I said, do you mind if I email Mickey James if she would want to come on the show? He said, Frick James. He said, I'm sure she'll come on if, when she's got free time. So hopefully. <laughs> but um, I, when I emailed him to say, you know, thanks for coming on, he said, no problem. Yeah. Um, he said to me, he said, no problem, James. He said, the NWA pod, because uh, I think the NWA's got their own special podcast. Mm-hmm. He said, the guys over there were speaking about it, and they loved it, and I listened to it, and every one of them was saying, this interview is that good. It, uh, you know, he's got stories out of Nick, what we've never heard before. I don't know if it's a kinsmanship of them being both English, or he caught the champ on a good day, but this is the interview. And when I'm getting reviews like that off like fellow content creators, and it, it's nothing better when people say to me, especially fellow content creators, that's saying you are doing such a good job, it means the world to me because uh, I'm still a baby in this. I think like two months, three months, maybe. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Um, I'm just happy when people say that show wasn't terrible, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> they never say that to me. No, they just say, uh, when's Paul uh, back? <laughs> I've, I've had some bad reviews. <laughs> I've had some bad uh, on Facebook. I thought Twitter was uh, toxic. Oh, you better get on Facebook. Oh, <laughs> Facebook's just bitchy, isn't it? Wrestling um, Facebook I, is horrific. Yeah, and Reddit. Reddit. Oh, someone in uh, they're proper sensitive in Reddit because, like I said, that Nick Aldis interview. I posted it in the New Japan Reddit as well, and someone said to me, "He doesn't go to New Trump, no New Japan." And I was like. He was IWGP Tag Team Champion. We actually spoke about it. Oh, well, it doesn't matter because it was under a month. I'm like, it still fucking counts. The Facebook one was on like the Impact Wrestling. And the comments was like some really nasty remarks regarding Diana Perrazzo saying she's out of shape and things like that. I'm like, have you seen this lady? She's beautiful. So that was horrible. Then Ace Austin... Someone said to me, I'm surprised he didn't throw a card in your fucking face. I'm like, what? <laughs> and uh, then, then the next one was regarding Eric Young. And it was like, tell Eric Young, I would beat his ass in a real fight. I'm like, okay. <laughs> wow. Aren't fans dickheads? It's crazy. Wrestling <laughs> fans are dickheads in general. Oh, well, I can uh, be a prick. Yeah. <laughs> Which one of us can't? Um, but James, this is your first time on uh, Badlands, so what we like to do with our our debuting guests is uh, find out who is on them at Rushmore of the greatest wrestlers. So Mr. Tully here can uh, can uh, 
collate all the results and come up with the definitive Mount Rushmore. So who are the four guys and gals who, who make your your picks and uh, a little bit of a reasoning why each one kind of makes the cut? Yeah, this is a tough one because the first two popped to me. Yeah, possibly the first three, but the fourth one was always a tricky one. Um, I, I'll be honest, the four, the four people that should be on it is Hogan, Flair, Rock, Austin. That's the four who should be on it. But I want to pick my That's our four. Um, so number one for me, yeah, <laughs> that's just no surprise. <laughs> um, so my four, me, me number one, and he's my favourite wrestler of all time, is uh, Brett Hitman Hat. Um, I just love him. Uh, growing up, so um, which um, I'll probably explain it on why we watch, but growing up in the 90s, uh, like I was born in 89, so growing up watching wrestling in the mid-90s, I suppose new generation era, it was him and Sean. My kid brother was always a Shawn Michaels fan. I was always Brett, the pink and black attack. He was just such a clean cut baby face, always obeyed by the rules and that, and I always loved it. And I actually missed his 97 run because you know yourselves, like growing up um, in the UK, like to watch WWF, you needed Sky Sports and that, which I never had Sky Sports as a child. Um, I used to just go tape collecting from car boot sales and markets or blockbusters, wherever I could find them. Uh, and with the privilege of having the WWE Network, which is the greatest thing ever for a wrestling uh, Last year, I made it my mission to watch every Raw of 1990, and I was not disappointed. Like, his heel run in 97 and his mic work, I was like, wow, I, I, I've heard how good it was, but I, to watch it every week, it was amazing. So uh, Bret Hart, like, he's my favorite wrestler of all time. I consider him a better wrestler than Shawn Michaels, which is uh, debatable. I put it this way, Mugs, right? All right? Obviously, wrestling is to put yourself over, get yourself over as a star. It's, uh, it also means to help put your opponent over mm-hmm. and make them a star. Bret Hart, right, made his brother Owen Hart, which obviously does a bit of bias, it's his brother, but he made Owen a star. He made the one, two, three kid a star on that episode of Raw when they had that great match on Monday night. He made Stone Cold Steve Austin a star, the biggest star in the business. Because people say, oh, well, Austin 316 at King Green made him a star. I'm like, no, if you look at them pay-per-views that followed, he didn't really do much. It wasn't until Bret Hart came back at Survivor Series, mm-hmm. they put on that great match at MSG and then made him a superstar at WrestleMania. That's what made Stone Cold a star. He probably would have got there eventually, but believe me, Bret Hart sped it up. Yeah, I totally name agree. one person who Shawn Michaels made. I can't name one. D- uh, Diesel. He, he buried <laughs> Diesel at Mania, though, as well. <laughs> when you yeah. think about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you in, in, in that he, he was very self-centred, but um, I think working with Shawn Michaels and being in that, that kind of group did make uh, Kevin Nash a bigger star than than it possibly would have been. Yeah. You do make sense though Bret Hart was a more uh, giving wrestler than, than Shawn Michaels and that's uh, very interesting because on our, on our um, uh, collator Mount Rushmore the, the battle for the, the top four spots is kind of petering off and the most interesting uh, battle is the battle between uh, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels it is. Well, I'm glad to give him some points. <laughs> <laughs> currently, and we don't know if we don't we don't know if you're going to give Shawn Michaels any points, but it doesn't sound like you you're going to. So currently, we've got Shawn Michaels on 13 and Brett on 12. All and you, right. and you say it's closed off for the top four. That those two are hunting the top four down. Mm. All right. 
Um, so yeah, don't know. I love Shawn Michaels, I do, but Bret Hart is just for me. Uh, so he's coming number one. Uh, number, I guarantee this will be the first time this guy's been picked. Uh, Jeff Hardy. Ooh, let's have a look. I don't think he's been picked, but I'm gonna check it. Oh, he's been picked once. Oh, cool. Ooh, it, it's not a pointless answer. <laughs> <That's> his... <laughs> you don't walk away with the 1200. Oh. <laughs> you do get a trophy at the end, though. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jeff Hardy for me. Oh, uh, if it wasn't for that, he had so many troubles, I'd, he could have been a lot bigger star than what he is. Um, so, like I said earlier, like towards the end of the 90s, I dropped off to WWF because I never had Sky Sports. But then at the end of the 90s, beginning of the 2000s, Channel 4 started showing WWF. And uh, one of the shows they uh, showed was at Royal Rumble 2000. I think that was the only pay-per-view that they showed. I'm sure it was. It might have been. I think there was a couple, but I I know I got into trouble with Mei Lung. (laughs) Yeah, Mei Lung flashed the babs and, and Channel 4 cut the deal. Like that's the worst that's thing it. Channel Four has ever seen. <laughs> you can put Euro trash on. I know. I think. That... Oh, the good old days. <laughs> um, but yeah, so at that event there was the tag team tables match between the Hardy Boys and Dudley Boys, and this is the first time I saw the Hardy Boys. This is the first time I saw the Dudley, uh, the Dudley Boys. I was blown away. I was like, oh my god, this match is so great and but and even, uh, to be honest I was more of a Matt Hardy fan back then but as time carried on and the early 2000s is when I really got back into wrestling Jeff Hardy you could always tell Jeff Hardy was the Shawn Michaels of the two people tried to say to me Matt Hardy's the biggest star I'm like no don't be no <laughs> okay yeah in his own head he may be but he'll always be behind Jeff and uh, you know and I think that and and this is and that's when Jeff isn't trying Jeff has just got that charisma there what you just you don't know why you're drawn to it you just uh yeah you know he took his risks uh you know and he's paid for it and when he left in 03 i was so sad i was like oh man i love jeff i went to tna then he came back in 06 and 06 for me was a really good year for wrestling because it was the first time i actually attended a wwe show live show it was in nottingham and jeff Hardy was there i think he was fighting for the um incontinental title against John Morrison, and uh, when he came out, I was I was seventeen at the time, but I you might, I might as well have been seven because <laughs> uh, he, he was my guy. And and one of the other shows where I really got behind him was uh, Royal Rumble. It might have been 08 against uh, Randy Orton for the title, and they'd done the package before and and things like that. And I was like, I really believe Jeff was going to win it that night, but he didn't. And then. He was meant to win Money in the Blank at Mania Four at Mania Twenty Four. He got suspended over drugs, and I'm like, "Come on, Jeff!" And then Armageddon in uh, 2009. I think I've got this right. I might be wrong. I think it's 2009. It's the last Armageddon show they've ever done. And he was in the Triple Threat match with uh, Triple H and Edge for the title. And when he hit that swan ton, and it was like one, two, three, I was bouncing over the room and. In, like I'm 31, I've been watching wrestling since you know I can remember nearly 30 years, and in my whole life I've been a wrestling fan. That will always be my favorite WWE uh, WWE title win because I wanted it so much. And he won the world title a couple of times. Then he left, done the stuff in the uh, TNA. He's come back now. He's just won the IC Championships, which is good. But I would love for him to have one more run with, with the belt. And plus, I want him to bring back No More Words because that's my favorite re- wrestling theme song of all time. 
I think if he can prove that uh, to to Vince that he's is safe to kind of trust with the world title, Vince will put that title back on him in a heartbeat. You can tell he loves uh, yeah. Jeff Hardy. I've heard that. I've heard he's a big fan of Jeff. So um, hopefully it comes true. But uh, yeah, he's my number two. Um, so I suppose we get to me number three. Um, it's got to be The Rock. What can you say? Um, I mean, the man's going to become president one day. <laughs> absolutely should. He absolutely should. I I need to find a bookmaker that will take that bet because it's guaranteed. Like in America, no offense to like American audiences. I I love every one of you, but you know the presidency over there. It's like a you know it's like a a reality show at this point. <laughs> it ain't serious, <laughs> and the rock is to become president there is zero doubts in my mind the rock is going to become president but besides all that crap like he's in ring career there's never been oh, there might have been better talkers but for me there's never been a better talk in the business the put downs you know it doesn't matter what your name is and the, all the things he came up with the term smackdown <laughs> he came up with a show what's gone on for 20 years it's the name of it. He, and was he best in the ring? Was he, you know, Ricky Steamboat or Kenny Omega and all that crap? No, no. But it didn't matter. He didn't need to be. He was so entertaining. He had the audience in the palm of his hand just by raising an eyebrow. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, look, look at the numbers, okay? People like to talk about ratings and the demos these days. Look at the numbers the Rock was getting at his height. You know, and people try to say to me, the attitude here was overrated. I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> Is it? Maybe. But look at the numbers. <laughs> look at the numbers he's getting now. Jesus. Yeah. A decade, <laughs> over a decade out yeah. of business and, and he's the, the highest paid uh, movie star in the world. Yeah. And it's great. It's great to see. Like I said, we all love wrestling. And when uh, someone, when a wrestler tries to make it in the, the rest of the, the world, like uh, movies and that, it feels like it's a victory for the uh, for the wrestling industry and wrestling fans because mm-hmm. they're our guy. Same with John Cena. I love John Cena, and I'm happy he's doing great work in movies. And he's going to be in the new Suicide Squad movie, which will be fun. <laughs> so, um, but The Rock, like from his epic trilogy with Stone Cold, his feuds with uh, Triple H, um, yeah, there's so many. And yeah, and his match against Hogan at Mania 19, that's probably in my top five favorite matches of all. Yeah, me too. Time. It's my second favorite WrestleMania moment ever. Yeah, I think Cody Rhodes has actually said that is his favorite wrestling match of all time. Mm-hmm. It was it was electrifying, and that's to steal a a, a, a catchphrase from The Rock. It was actually electrifying. Yeah. So the, who's the thing the... that amazes us about The Rock is that if you look at the look at the stats on the Mount Rushmore, and look at our top twenty picks, he's wrestled the fewest matches by far. He's he's the only one on that top twenty who's wrestled under a thousand matches in his career. Wow! And yet he's wow. yeah he's sec- he's our second pick. So he did he achieved so much in a a relatively short time compared to everyone yeah, else. Because his career wasn't that long, really. It was what at the at the peak probably about three years, but overall probably about maybe six years as, as an actual wrestler. Yeah, um, and that's what I mean. Like sometimes there's some wrestlers using it for such a long time and people's like oh they deserve the belt and things like that but i'm like do they and when you look at the rock and the impact he made in such that short such a short time you know it, it doesn't matter how long you 
hold the belt. I think you brought up it, uh, David Mags, um, I, uh, Steve Austin, like he mm-hmm. had a real short run with the belt, but the, but what he'd done with the belt during his time um, was amazing. Yeah, it's it, it's the age old discussion about. Uh, I think it was. Um, it started with with a fan. Uh, saying how bad it was that Keith Lee got uh, dropped the title, the NXT title after only about forty odd days, but it's the the age old uh, adage that the chase is much more entertaining than than the face winning the belt, and that's why Austin had six runs with the title, five as a face, which were all I think the longest one was maybe ninety days. But his actual longest run, yeah. which was nearly twice that, was when he was a heel. Because that's what people want. They want to. They want the story of the face overcoming the odds, not the face being the best wrestler in the world and, and sat on the top of top of the tree. Because that gets boring. It's it's you want to see the face yeah. overcome the baddies. Particularly in the modern era, with modern fans, kind mm-hmm. of, if a face is champion for three days, it's uh, being rammed down your throat. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they they said that with Roman being back after one night, and they said he was he would be ran down his throat. Yeah. Oh, so go oh, on, Jamie. Wish fourth pick. Uh, this is the toughest one. Um, I had so many names floating around in my head, and it was like, who do I go for? And I'm, I am torn between so many. Um, oh, I'm gonna give it to him, uh, Randy Orton. Oh wow! Ooh. Didn't see that coming. Yeah, I'm guessing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, on on, on some uh, SummerSlam, you'll never see it coming. It's another one I need to check. <laughs> yeah, he has had one more pick previously. So you're you're second with Randy Orton. Oh, so close again. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but you've been a great guest. Then <laughs> um, I was going to pick it. The three I was torn between was him. Shawn Michaels and uh, AJ Styles, but um, Orton just clinched it for me. Um, and like, even though it sounded like I was talking shit about Shawn Michaels earlier, which I probably was, I still love Shawn Michaels. But Randy Orton for me, I've just because um, I I would say like I really got like I've always been a fan of wrestling, but watching it as it was happening, I got really into it in the early two thousands, and from that that point on, basically. Like before, then it was just literally catching what tapes I could get, and I watched him uh, debut like in a match against Hardcore Holly, and he was like this young, twenty-two-year-old kid. He was trying to put the moves on Stacey Keebler, which he was living everyone's fantasies, <laughs> and um, and he was just watching him grow. And then he got injured, and then they brought him back as just this cocky young, fa- uh, cocky young heel, and uh, being put in with Evolution, which. You can you can picture yourself like oh my god can you imagine going around partying with like Ric Flair <laughs> and um, it was and like and I'm watching it and it was great. I'm in the minority when I say I was a fan of his uh, runners the babyface uh, as a babyface when he left Evolution. I really enjoyed it because him being this young star got kicked out of the group and he said I understand why they let him drop the title because he wasn't that professional backstage. He was. I mean, it sounds weird to say you're still a kid at 24, even though I got married at like 23. But um, but in the wrestling world, that is quite young. And always been a fan of him and like his face and a heel. And uh, like people say he's put on good matches. And I'm like, yeah, he's put on plenty of good matches. Just look for him. Uh, one of my favorite moments I loved was at the uh, 2004 Survivor Series, where it was Team Orton against their team uh, Triple H. And uh, when he hit that um, RKO, on Triple H from a pedigree, 
I popped really hard for it, and um, he was always there. Uh, he's been in the main event for like 20 years, like there or thereabouts. How many people could, you know, actually say that? And uh, and then lately, especially now with Edge, he's starting to do some of the best work of his career. And I don't know, I think, I don't think you as a fan of it, but the greatest wrestling match ever, Backlash, I absolutely love that match. I thought it was such a great match. And, uh, and now he's in the title scene again now with uh, McIntyre, who's another one of my big favorites. And uh, yeah, and like I said, I managed to watch him live at, uh, at Nottingham. And when he came out, uh, he was he was still coming out to uh, Ben and Ben in my light. And uh, as he's coming out posing, I'm there in the audience. I'm posing. I'm 17 year old at the time. But um, yeah, I think Orton just nudges it to me, and it looks like that he's got got at least another five years in the business. So it'd be interesting to see what he does. And the man's a 13 time world champion. So and he's more of a new pick for a new school wrestler, I suppose. But yeah, I'm gonna give it to Orton. He's my fourth choice. Yeah, it's a it's a solid pick. I think the only reasons, well, I can think of two reasons maybe why Orton doesn't get picked as often is one, he's still he's still active, and we found that a lot of uh, wrestlers who are still active kind of get overlooked. Uh, and two. There's been periods in his career where he's, he's literally has just phoned it in. Um, he could potentially yeah. be the, the very best wrestler that there's ever been because when he's yeah. into a storyline or when he's into a like a feud, you can tell he put he he's just so he's so much better. He kind of turns turns the dial up, but when he's kind of not invested, he, he you can tell there's there's periods where he just. He just doesn't give a hundred percent, and and he just kind of floats through through the storyline. I think if he showed that kind of passion all the way through his career, I think he'd be up there with with the absolute greats. Yeah, and uh, and um, another thing he does as well. Uh, some people think it's an easy task, but I don't think it is. It's actually trying to eclipse your family, and he's. Well and truly done that over Bob Orton. He's eclipsed his father and his grandfather. So, and that's another thing. So, like I said, some people try to say it's easy. I'm thinking, okay, look at the likes of uh, David Sammartino and Eric Watson. Tell them that it was easy. And uh, many others, uh, many, many others. Like, I was a fan of Ted DiBiase Jr. Uh, and he got nowhere near to what his father was. So, it's not as easy as what people think to, yeah, you know, being part of a wrestling family. Yeah, and I mean, look at one of the biggest stars in the world today, uh, Cody. He's he's still kind of struggling to to kind of break out from from the huge shadow uh, left by by uh, uh, Duster, and that guy's gone and, and basically formed a company and, and kind of put uh, up a yeah. challenge against AW, and he's still he's still thought of in a lot of circles as as the the son of a son of a of a plumber. So yeah, I, that kind of legacy can be a weight on a lot of people, but Randy has definitely kind of like far surpassed everything that his dad achieved. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, they're my four picks. And I think I think you're right, Mags. Um we've only got one fully active We've got two fully active wrestlers in our top twenty, and that's uh, Dust Jericho and Omega. Um, and, and unless you're retired or semi-retired, you don't you don't attract a lot of votes in this game. No. Um, so I think you're right. Once once Orton retires, we'll start seeing him shoot up here. If if we if we if we're still uh, if we're still cracking on with this, we will be. Of course, <laughs> we will. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, 
let's get into this main topic, uh, the topic that James was was very not, well, definitely not pleased about having when he told me to fuck <laughs> off. Um, the topic of the worst wrestling uh, pay-per-view matches. So that's literally any match from any pay-per-view that just was a massive turd in the punch ball, or in Paul's case, a full pay-per-view that ended up being a turd in the punch ball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to see what pay-per-view. Yeah, I, yeah, see what I, yeah before we start, what, what pay-per-views did you pick, Paul? What pay-per-views did I pick? Well, there's a story behind this. I was going to be quite clever about it. So kind of without going into my full story, it won't make sense. But I was I, I was going to pick, I was going to pick um, WrestleMania 33. Um, yeah. But there was a reason behind it. If we if we do the topic again, I'll go into because because obviously it wasn't the worst pay per view. It wasn't anywhere near the worst pay per view. So I was basically just gonna just gonna um, just gonna shit on fans for about ten minutes and have a bit of fun. <laughs> so, so James, <laughs> that might be a bit of a hint uh, for your uh, topic afterwards to pick the worst yeah. pay per view just to just to get that story out of yeah. Paul. <laughs> the the other one was the was the it was the King of the Ring Billy Gunn one. Oh, oh. That that actually made me shudder. Yeah, that was a that was a te- just a terrible King of the Ring tournament. The the best thing about that was the was the the promo that the Rock did a couple of weeks after, where about uh, <laughs> Billy pissing himself and and the God promo, such a funny promo. <laughs> um, so James, let's go to you uh, for your first worst wrestling pay per view match. I recently discovered this one about a month ago. Uh, when I was reviewing the show, and I was like, "This match is fucking terrible." They changed the rules on the fly, and it was so boring and crap, and it made no sense. The commentary was awful, and everything. It was at um, Uncensored '99, and it was a steel cage match between Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. Okay. It was, it was terrible. <laughs> Before. It, it, no, it was a it was a first blood steel cage match, and before the match, like so the, the uh, so the stipulations of the match, Ric Flair was like the commissioner or you know the president of WCW, and Hogan was the uh, world champion. So basically, if um, Flair won, he'd become champion. He'll stay and he'll still be uh, president or whatever it was. If Hogan won, Flair be out of WCW forever. Um, so before the match started, uh, Ric Flair went to Charles Robinson, uh, you know, uh, right, uh, whatever happens, I don't want this match being stopped over a nosebleed, uh, I want this to be a war and a battle, so, okay, uh, and as the match went on, so they said, right, pinballs and submissions count, so Hulk Hogan <laughs> had him, like, bang to rights to pin him, like, it was, uh, one, two, Flair was still down, but the referee counted one, two, and then he stopped. I'm like, why is he stopped? <laughs> and it was like, I thought pimples count. Then he said, no, pimples don't count. Then Hogan busted out, uh, busted flare open. I'm like, right, Hogan's won by first blood. Nope, it's only a scratch, even though he had the <laughs> crimson mask. <laughs> then flare busted Hogan open. The match still continued <laughs> in this. Steel cage first blood match. Uh, then I realised uh, escape in the cage wasn't included. <laughs> then, f- then f- uh, Hogan had flared another pinfall attempt. 
and the referee said, nope, no pins, no pins. <laughs> and then, and, what? Uh, and I, I, I forgot the ending now, it was that bad. I forgot <laughs> if, um, I'm sure Flair beat Hogan by submission or by pin. It was definitely one of the time, and they counted it. What the fuck? <laughs> That that um, was just typical was just WCW a... booking at that time, though. Was this during the period Hogan was just making the look... rules up in matches? Yeah, pretty much. It was just a complete and not a mess. And I love Hogan, and I love. I did not love this match. <laughs> it was terrible, <laughs> and I've, I, it might not even be the worst match in the world. But with the two people involved and the constant rule changes and all things like that, I had to put it up the list because it was very fresh in the memory. That's definitely my, that's one of the worst matches I've seen. <laughs> it's a, it's a, a very fair pick. Um, I, think, I think a lot of people uh, kind of get um, like upset that Flair and Hogan didn't happen whilst they were both in the prime in, in WWF. And wh- when you see the matches that they did have, you can you can kind of tell why they, they just didn't have a lot of in-ring chemistry between the two. No. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty terrible. Too much blonde as well, isn't it? <laughs> Flair's been white. Flair's been white since he was about 17. <laughs> Rick Flair's um, at a massive disadvantage in a first blood match, isn't he? Because he's yeah, made of paper. <laughs> you just look at him and he'd bleed. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a great first pick to, to start this terrible, terrible... Uh, Pair of Mount Rushmore's. Uh, Paul, is it you to go first this week, or is it me? I can't, can't I quite it remember. It was you, but it um... me. yeah, if, if it's me, it's me. Um, yeah. Now, I've got two horrific matches. Uh, I'm going to go with the one that you guys probably know the best. Uh, I'm going with uh, Over the Limit 2012. Uh, I'm going for John Cena versus John Laurinaitis. <laughs> now, if, if you remember over the limit 2012, this was a uh, this was the card that had the the outstanding match of the year candidate uh, Punk versus uh, Daniel Bryan for the title. Uh, but that was in the middle yeah. of the card, and this match uh, was in the main event. Uh, Cena taking on People Power John Laurinaitis, where uh, Johnny Ace's job was on the line. I think it was on the line for like the fourth time in last like, six months, so the stipulation was very, very worn out. Um, going into the build-up to this match, uh, John Laurinaitis fired the Big Show uh, after Big Show made fun of his voice. Uh, now, remember that <laughs> little detail, because that'll be important uh, a little bit later. But... Um, uh, the the website 411mania.com I've got a, a theory going around called the, the Kevin Dunn Theory of Sports Entertainment Inertia. Right, So that's uh, in any situation where the WWE main event, uh, which around this, this time always consisted of John Cena, um, the outcome that involves the least amount of change will occur. So, for example, in this one, if Johnny Ace loses, he'd get fired. And if anyone else interfered they'd also be fired. You can safely assume that Johnny Ace is going to win uh, since it's physically incomprehensible uh, that who he's facing, Cena, uh, he'll be obviously assisted by someone who cannot be fired. Now, remember that little detail I gave you earlier. Um, So you can basically, anyone with a a set of working hours 
could see what was coming, that John Laurinaitis uh, was definitely going to win this match. And uh, John Laurinaitis did win this match. But we got 17 minutes of action. And I mean action in the very loosest sense of the word. Uh, Big Johnny Ace tried to escape the ring early, but he was caught by uh, Cena. Uh, Cena quickly sets him up for the attitude adjustment, then changes his mind and does an airplane spin, which uh, coming to the end of the match, Cena might have regretted not just finishing the match early. Um, Johnny Ace escapes to the floor where Cena grabs the ring bell and uh, dings it right in his ear. Um, Cena then stops to do a little bit of commentary. Uh, there's uh, magically two spare chairs there, so he sits John Laurinaitis in the chair next to him. Uh, the only kind of entertaining bit of the actual match was uh, when uh, Cena cast John in the role of Booker T, and Johnny was shouting five time, five time. Um, <laughs> then once we got back in the ring, we had Cena locking in the the STFU for ten seconds at a time. Uh, just but uh, allowing Laurinaitis to survive, kind of like trying to punish him, I suppose. Uh, Cena thought that John Laurinaitis looked like he needed a bit of a drink, and I uh, sprayed him with a uh, with uh, some water and a fire extinguisher. Uh, Johnny tries to run again, uh, and he slammed um, Cena's arm on the barricade, which had been previously injured by Brock at Extreme Rules when he was uh, locked in the Kimura. Uh, Johnny starts beating Cena up with a chair, uh, but Cena quickly takes the, this chair away from him and does the you can't see me thing with, with the actual chair. Uh, Johnny actually gets some offense in when uh, it's a low blown runs off, uh, but this match has no count out, so I don't know why he ran off. And Cena just uh, just stood in the middle of the ring and, and waited for him. Big Show turns back up. Now, remember Big Show <laughs> being fired not, not a few days earlier. Turns back up and drags Laurinaitis to the ring, throws him to Cena, and then knocks Cena out to the shock of no one. John, uh, <laughs> Johnny Ace rolls up Cena for the win at 17 minutes and four seconds. So my first pick is Cena versus Johnny Ace from Over the Limit 2012. Yep, great choice. <laughs> <laughs> Great in the incredibly loose sense of the word. A, d- a deserving choice. Yeah, I, d- I did really enjoy John, uh, John Laurinaitis as a as a GM. I think I think I think you made it onto our Mount Rushmore when we did authority figures. Yeah, you did. Yeah, it, it was it was it was good in that kind of dickhead heel role. Uh, but he was the the kind of uh, being fired uh, if he didn't win. Uh, trope got got boring very quickly. Yeah, he was a bit David Brentish, a bit bit of a tryhard. Yeah, yeah, I, I get what you mean. <laughs> um, uh, so you, I assume you're not going to veto that, then, Paul? No, I'm not going to veto it. It's a fine pick. Okay, uh, James, back to you for your second pick. Um, second pick, <laughs> and I watched this there today to see how everyone. Um, it was. Uh, Shah Melfi, Jenna Maraska. <laughs> it's, uh, my, it's, it's my, it's my other, other main pick. It's fucking brutally horrific. It was so bad. And Sharmel, like, lovely woman. And, you know, she was great uh, being Queen Sharmel during the King Booker reign, which is so underrated. I love that uh, world title reign by uh, Booker. And um, it was so bad that. 
you know, I got an idea of Jenna Marascaris. <laughs> okay, so she won Survivor. I've got that Oh yeah, uh, I remember that show years ago. It used to be a fun show. Um, I know it went on in America quite a long, mm-hmm. long time. Like we had like a couple of seasons of it in the early two thousands, but yet she couldn't even slap right. <laughs> and you know how hard is it to slap? So she, it was like she was like it was like like <laughs> she was she was trying to slap her. It was like when she tried to slap her, it was like she was slapping further away than what her body actually was. Um, it was so bad, and you know how I feel about Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez, right? I put no value in their opinion at all. But I think Alvarez actually said this match was actually minus five stars. Yeah, and I'm like, it's off the uh, the Botchamania intro. This is that match, the minus five stars. Right, right. So for the first time ever, hell was frozen over. I will agree with Brian Alvarez. <laughs> so this not terrible and victory road. Um, it must have a bit of a jinx on it because me other choice will be coming up later on. But yeah, uh, this show, this match was sh- so bad. Uh, so yeah, Chanel against Jenna Maraska. Yeah, I I had this as as one of my other picks. Uh, it's horrific from from the very second the match. Not even starts when the people come down. For some reason, they've both got a a, a trainer, uh, Charmel, yeah. who Charmel, who the ringing out actually called Charpel. Uh, she had Sojo <laughs> Bolt, who was not a good wrestler in her own right, and she got an entrance before Charmel did. And then before yeah. uh, Jenna Maraska got uh, came out, her trainer or some con got an entrance. Yeah, Jenna Maraska was. She may be the very worst wrestler that's ever lived. It was so horrific. And she tried to to kind of look sexy uh, when she was climbing through the ring. And it looked like she tripped over the bottom rope. Uh, She just had no clue what they were doing. The action was so... The only way I could describe it is hammy. You know, when uh, you're having a play fight with your your mates as a kid and you'll, you'll jump to, like, clothesline someone or you'll jump to give someone, like, a slap or a punch... Everything had a little jump in it. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was really, yeah, it was really, really, really weird. And I'd, I think Charpel, uh, as she's now known, uh, <laughs> I think she kind of uh, misunderstood what the match was about because she came out in a an evening dress and wrestled the match yeah. in that same evening dress. It was really, really weird. Um, but th- luckily, it was only uh, what eleven minutes, I think, or so. So the match wasn't that Something long. Like that. But I've never heard a TNA crowd shout, this is boring in my life, and, and <laughs> yeah. that crowd were going nuts. Uh, I, and I, I also didn't understand the kind of stakes behind the match because both of them were valets for main event mafia. There was no kind of like beef between the two girls. There was just literally no reason to be in the match. Uh, but but the end came when... Uh, when um, Sojo Bolt tried to get involved. Uh, she got knocked off the ring by um, by Sharpel by accident. I think Kong was meant to catch her, but she didn't. So uh, Sojo just slammed into the the railings. Um, <laughs> Kong knocks Sharpel out. Jenna gets the pin, uh, and then the end. The end was probably the best bit. Was when uh, Jenna wanted to wanted Kong to lift her up onto her shoulder. And Kong was like, okay, yeah. I don't really want to do this. 
and then Jenna starts like berating her for for doing it for well, for doing it wrong, <laughs> and then she slaps Kong, and Kong just wrecks her absolutely, just lays her out, <laughs> big splash, and and it's like she's a dead body. She was absolutely knackered, uh, but yeah, that would have been my second pick. Uh, luckily, I've got plenty more to go out, but yeah, what a horrific match that was. I don't know that match, I'm afraid, so I'm going to have to go check it out. Don't, Paul. It doesn't don't sound like do I want to. But... Don't, do it. don't subject yourself to it. <laughs> now, shall I go next? Well, yeah, seeing as it's your turn. It's my turn, yeah. Um, lucky I've got a few picks as well, because you mentioned Victory Road there. I think we've got the same pick, and I'm going to leave, leave that one to you, uh, James. Uh, so I'm going to go to... Um, WrestleMania 27. Uh, I'm going to go for a uh, for just a horrific match. That was kind of the first thing I thought of when this topic came up, and I realised what realised what the actual topic was. Um, and I'm going for Michael Cole versus Jerry the King Lawler. Um, yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> Michael Michael Cole, of course, being trained by Jack Swagger. And um, Stone Cold Steve Austin was the special guest referee or enforcer, or I'm not, I'm not even sure what Stone Cold Steve Austin was. I don't think he knew what he was. He, he looked thoroughly uninterested throughout, apart from when he got to stunner people. Um, this came about because Michael Cole was a thoroughly unentertaining heel commentator. And I'm, 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 I'm not, I don't hate Michael Cole. I love Michael Cole. I think, I, I think Michael Cole's a fantastic commentator when he's a commentator. And I think we've seen that when he gets to do kind of the the satellite shows like the um, like the Cruiserweight Classic and the the UK tournament and stuff like that. Basically, when he doesn't have Vince McMahon in his ear. Um, but when, <laughs> when, 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 when I I really couldn't abide Michael Cole the heel. Um, uh, so yeah, Michael Cole in his heel phase, obviously he was. Um, he used to spend the majority of the shows slated in the action, um, uh, being incredibly rude to JR and the King. Um, and he cost the the King a uh, a world title match. Um, who my memory I'm, I've forgotten who who the match was against, but um, but Michael Cole cost cost the King. Let me get some is, yeah, of course. Yeah, a lot um, of match, I think. Yeah, yeah. So Michael Cole cost him a match. So uh, so a few months down the line. Uh, the King got his chance at revenge at, at WrestleMania. Now, one of the things I hate about this is I, again, I love Jerry the King Lawler. Um, I think he was a fantastic wrestler. And I believe this is his only WrestleMania match that he's had, or, or up to that point, it was his only WrestleMania match he's had. Um, and I think he, I think he deserved a lot better than Michael Cole. Just <laughs> 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 um, everything about him, Michael Cole just looked, Utterly ridiculous. He looked like a vegan Rick Steiner um, in his in his orange. Um, oh, it was that singlet was horrific. His orange singlet and his what are those things called that go on your ears? Are they earmuffs? Yeah, that uh, the yeah, head yeah. the headsets the headset yeah, for, for like rugby, aren't they? Terrible. Uh, Michael Cole got most of the offense in the match. Wasn't he trained <laughs> as well? But he was taking like lessons from Jack Swagger, I think. He's t- taking taking lessons from Jack Swagger. Uh, Michael Cole's given an interview where um, where he said he got he got sent for one month of training at the performance center, or, or what 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 was the performance center back then? One one month. 
<laughs> so um which and he said he he'd hit the gym for six months um but realized he must have been doing it wrong when he saw how he looked in the singlet um <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just terrible. I mean, I I I really don't like it when um, I I don't like it when commentators kind of make the show about them, um, and kind of talk too much about themselves and all the action. So um, so so so, so again, a re, a, re, a reason I I didn't like this. Um, and Michael Cole himself has said that it got it, it got him a lot of heat backstage, um, with 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 a great deal of the wrestlers because the segment, and this is the worst part, the, the whole segment start to finish lasted 35 minutes. Sweet. So 35 yeah. minutes of WrestleMania was taken up with Michael Cole versus Jerry, the King Lawler, um, which ended with um, Jerry Lawler locking in the ankle lock on Michael Cole, stone cold, amusingly refusing to acknowledge the tap. Uh, so, so Michael Cole had to, take the pain for a bit longer eventually he accepted the tap jerry the king lawler won only for the anonymous raw general manager to uh overturn the result due to due to bias officiating um the the only redeeming feature of this whole whole debacle was dunkle steve austin almost running jack swagger over on his quad bike (laughs) and obviously the obligatory (laughs) annual stone cold stunners that were dished out but um, that this was uh, 35 minutes of a WrestleMania. They must have been horrendous to be in the arena. Yeah. I cannot fault that pick. I, I, I sort of want to veto you because it, it's fun. But I can't, <laughs> I can't take that match off. That was horrific. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it, that's staying on. It has stood the test of time, though, because I, I don't know if you remember um, Michael Cole's. Was it the coal mine? That you yep. used to commentate from. Obviously, that that's perfect yeah. for um, coronavirus these days. <laughs> he was he, he was ahead of the game. It's, it's a solid pick, uh, <laughs> and it's definitely staying on our Mount Rushmore. Yeah, God, that's why is wrestling so crap sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> the biggest show in the wrestling calendar, and that's what we get: Michael Cole versus Jerry Lawler. Yeah, you know what? I because when looking at when researching this. I had a lot of picks that I watched and then I kind of saw like redeemable qualities actually. Well, actually that bit's quite funny and I can see why this happened this way. And actually if this segment had been 15 minutes, uh, you might've thought, actually I can see why that's there. It's it's between, it's in between um, the big CM Punk match and the, and the, the undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. So a little palate cleanser, but it's just, it's just the time it took. Yeah. I mean, if it were a 5, 10, 15-minute match, something like that, you'd been happy. But 35 goddamn minutes. It's unreal. It's unreal. (laughs) Um, James, (laughs) save us with your third pick. Yeah. Well, uh, Paul mentioned it earlier. Um, Victory Road, Jeff Hardy versus Sting. Uh, This was... I don't know if this is just terrible to watch or just sad to watch. Um. Sting and Jeff Hardy, like I said, Jeff Hardy is my, is my number two guy of all time. Sting is right up there for me. He's definitely in my top ten. It was weird because a few days before and at um, Impact, uh, on the episode of Impact, they had a match for the title where Sting won and this was the rematch. Mm-hmm. And I didn't I didn't notice it the first time round. Um, I thought, right, I thought uh, they had that match. I thought, 
obviously this is going to be a longer match and things like that. But then it happened, and Jeff Hardy was stumbling everywhere, and you know it was finished within seconds. Uh, and I thought, what just happened? Uh, you know, you, you start seeing the reports online. Jeff was just was was should not have been there in the arena. Never mind the match. Uh, Bischoff tries to blame uh, blame someone else. Oh, I didn't see him go by and thought, no, Bischoff, it's your fucking job. You should have uh, sorted it out because he's always very quick to pass the book uh, to other people when it's not when he sees fault. Um, don't get me wrong, it's fully Jeff Hardy's fault, but I'm like, you shouldn't let him get to the... Uh, they said that he walked by him. I'm like, how did Jeff Hardy walk by him in the state he was in? Mm-hmm. And um, it was just fucking sad to watch. Like I said, Jeff Hardy's my number two guy, and see this happen, I was like, what happened? And it took... It, he, I know he's had a couple of problems since, but I don't think anything to this level. Um, and like, it took him a long time to shake this tag off uh, a long time and I think uh, so I've heard people in the locker room when they done them segments on Impact um, you know when he was playing for, uh, praying for forgiveness from the locker room apparently a lot of that was legit like people still didn't trust him after what happened mm-hmm. in that. and uh, you can't help but say it is a terrible match because it was like it was literally a couple of punches kicks if that and then Sting forcing him to Scorpion Death Drop just to get you know just to pin and even then like where Jeff was so out of it he was still trying to kick out of it but Jeff, uh, Sting just gripped him tight and like let's get this shit over and one of the other sad things as well like uh, there's a couple of sad things Jeff Hardy's always said that Sting was one of his childhood heroes so he said like you know the fact he was in that condition like wrestling with his childhood hero made him depressed but also um when Sting was going up the ramp and um, I forgot what the fans were saying around this, that this is bullshit or things like that or bullshit yeah. and Sting said he said I agree I agree uh, it has to be on there and you know I'm glad that Jeff has come out a better person over it obviously he's had a couple of, you know still had a couple of troubles since but I think this is probably the lowest low he was ever at and um, thankfully I'm hoping it looks like he's staying clean now and like I said we mentioned it earlier Nice to see him have the title run, but um, yeah, this has to be on it. Definitely, like I said, like I said, it was gonna be, it was gonna be one of my picks. Um, looking into it now, it's got quite interesting. Sting was very good to him after that event, and has always um, forgiven him for it, and kind of been good to him after, and 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 not said a bad word about it. But but interestingly, Sting said that. Uh, that Jeff Hardy had visibly deteriorated throughout the night. And as you said, you yeah. have to wonder who, who the hell allowed him to go out there. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I think, I think TNA need to take a, a massive amount of the blame f- for, for whatever happened there, because they, 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 they signed Jeff Hardy knowing he was, he was an addict at that time. Um, yeah, you know he'd been released from WWE. He was he was when they signed him. He was awaiting, um, he was awaiting uh, the the uh, uh, sentencing um, for possession, which he actually, which as you know, he went to prison for for ten days. Um, so they can't have had any sort of support network in that company or or safeguarding of Jeff Hardy to have allowed it to go to the point where he went out to that match. And that, yeah. 
It is sad. Um, and both Eric and, and Bruce have, have kind of covered it on their podcast and, and said ultimately that they they both passed the book on to it being Dixie's uh, fault. Dixie was a huge supporter of, of Jeff and, and wanted Jeff in, in the main event. I think Bruce said a couple of times that uh, Jeff would just go missing in the arena and they'd find him like in, in dark little corners, absolutely out of his head uh, on whatever drink or drugs, whatever his, uh, his poison of choice was at that time. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it was sad that that this aired on, on live, on live pay-per-view, you could see the kind of the real demons that that guy was, was, uh, was battling basically in front of your eyes and, and there's not much as a fan that you could really do about it. It was really hard. It's hard to watch more than anything, I think, rather than being a terrible match. It's just hard to watch someone in in that state, in that kind of hurt, uh, basically being in a in a wrestling match. Yeah, it's yeah. horrible. It's horrible to watch. Is it? it's, it's a car crash. Yeah. Um, but it, it, what's great that came out of it, um, like, like James said, Jeff Hardy's more or less kind of clean now. He, he, he certainly he certainly doesn't appear to be an addict now. And uh, and he said himself that that was an epiphany moment watching that back. And uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's he he he, reclined, he rebuilt his career and back in WWE now. And um, as he said, I think he think he's a champion at the moment, isn't he? Um, yeah, Intercontinental yeah. Champion. So that's fantastic um, to see. Yeah, it is. And 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 to be fair to to Jeff. It, He's he's got issues, yeah. He's he's definitely got issues. This is something he's going to be probably fighting for the for the rest of his life. But the fact that he's still be able to to kind of get up every time he he, he falls is tantamount to the guy. He's a uh, he's hopefully he'll get to that point where he he kicks these these issues for good. Yeah. Uh, and and I apologise for that. I I said he's not an addict. Um, obviously, I appreciate that you you do never stop being an addict. So I apologise for that. No, it wasn't. To, to, I mean, this this show's gone really downhill now. <laughs> Terrible pick, James. I, I, if only I could veto the guess, I would veto that pick. <laughs> no, it, it absolutely deserves to be on there. Um, let's line it up a little bit um, with my pick. Well, I say line it up. It, it's not going to lie. It will be a very little bit. Um, and it... <laughs> It's one that I actually did mention on um, on the Rick and Clive wrestling show, and I think it, the reason I'm going to bring it back up now is because it deserves more love just because of how awful it was. Um, so I'm going to go with, from WrestleMania 5, the Bushwhackers versus the fabulous Rougeau brothers. Now, uh, James, we spoke on, <laughs> on your podcast about WrestleMania 6. And uh, I think it was the Bushwhackers versus uh, the Body Donners, maybe, back then. Uh, And we talked about how there was very little wrestling and it was literally just a lot of pausing and then maybe two or three minutes of action. Pretty much the same in this, uh, probably less less wrestling, to be fair. Um, So on the way to the ring, Jesse Ventura, who, who... Back then was absolutely comedy gold uh, as a commentator. He he straight out accused the Bushwhackers of being on the juice, which was uh, which <laughs> pr- probably to be fair wasn't far from the truth. Uh, so then we had Luke and Butch storm in the ring doing that uh, that arm waving uh, bollocks that they were famous for. Uh, the Rougeaus okay. enter the ring and they instantly get thrown into uh, Jimmy Hart. Uh, so they all pile out when the match 
actually does start. It's literally just the typical kind of heels uh, hitting each other accidentally, distracting the ref. That that kind of uh, like mid mid nineties uh, wrestling style. Um, Jesse then comes up with another uh, cheeky quip when he says uh, he's not actually seen a wrestling move yet. And to actually be fair, there wasn't really any. Um, but the the reason why I, I want to bring this match up is because. I, w- I remember watching this as a kid, and then yeah. when I watched it back, there's something that I didn't notice until I watched it, and I had to like, rewind and replay. I even brought in Mrs. Mags to confirm that I saw what I thought I saw. Uh, now, Ray Rougeau picks up Luke Bushwacker for a scoop slam. And obviously, as wrestling fans, we now know that th- these guys are working together. If Luke tried to like sandbag, yeah. there's no way Ray Rougeau's picking him up. So Luke obviously uses his 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 own body weight to kind of push up, and he puts his hand on Ray Rougeau's uh, dick. There's no other way to say it. He puts his <laughs> hand on his dick. Now you could actually think, oh yeah, he's, he's misplaced. He should have put it on the thigh, but he grabs it, gives it a little tickle and a rub. It's really, really, really weird. Now, I implore you, go back after recording this and go and watch this particular match. It's so weird. It gives him a little bit of a hand job in a match. Anyway, uh, fortunately, that that was quite near the end of the match. uh, Butch picks up Luke for that uh, battering ram move that they did on Ray. They did a uh, double stomach breaker and Luke gets the pin. Uh, even though Jacques did break the pin and they kicked out. I think it was more a mercy uh, referee decision than anything. But, yeah, I'm putting that forward just because it was a live hand job from Luke Bushwacker to Ray Rougeau. <laughs> Unbelievable pick. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, the Bushwhackers do have a vote on our um, on our overall Mount Rushmore. <laughs> So does Captain Lou Albano. So, oh, yeah. well. Yeah, the really the, the Rougeau brothers don't, unfortunately. <laughs> but it's still time. <laughs> Is it staying on, Paul? No, I'm, I'm going to leave it on. And you need to check it out, honestly. It's, it, it's hon- honestly surreal that you could see. And the camera zooms in. It's not like it's like you see it in the background. <laughs> Your camera actually zooms in and you can see him tickling Razor. Meeting two veg. <laughs> yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So let's go to you, James, for your final pick. Yeah, there's a, there's a, I was there's a few I was thinking, and there's some what's really bad, but you still find them entertaining. Mm-hmm. As much as, as terrible as the Kendall from Hell match is, I oddly find it amusing of how terrible it is. We'll have <laughs> no bad, boss man bespurching on this podcast. You, this is a you, boss man loving zone. <laughs> you can't put any boss man match in. Oh. <laughs> Didn't you send him the rules? <laughs> and uh, it, it's amusing. And uh, I might have an announcement regarding that match uh, through the week. So fingers crossed. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> Well, obviously, I'm not going to be interviewing the boss man. So, is <laughs> <laughs> it interviewing the the, the Rottweilers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think now this pay per view gets shitted on a lot. I actually love this pay per view. <laughs> um, 
and uh, that's WrestleMania 9. I actually like the pay-per-view because I just find the aesthetic of the Caesars Palace, even though it's like a car pack. I found it really nice to look at. Um, it's going to have to be The Undertaker for Giant Gonzalez. Um, oh, where do I start? Good entrance by Taker. Great entrance. <laughs> um, with the Vulture and all things that. Love that. The Giant Gonzalez, though. Um, what was he wearing? <laughs> The, I don't know what it is. The parts of it, the uh, hair that are so weird. He literally had painted on. He had a painted on ass, <laughs> 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 and at the front, you know, it was just nothing. Yeah, I'm he, not expecting them to draw. They had glued on, on hair, in like the you most know, Doctor Man, Manhattan style. <laughs> It was like so getting over that to begin with, uh, like you know, the aesthetic of uh, the giant Gonzalez. I'll tell you what it reminded me of. Have you ever seen Dogma? The uh, yeah. movie, uh, uh, Alan Rickman plays the archangel and he takes his trousers down, there's like nothing there, <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> like an action man, like, like. Yeah, like a kendo or something. Action man. So that's what the giant Gonzales was like. <laughs> so getting over that, you know, I think what made me laugh in like a, a later match, they actually like I think you mentioned it, they actually decided to give him like fair covered tights to go over that section. <laughs> so instead that, I think that meant it, instead worse, of it being though. clean. Well it was just like a load of pubes. <laughs> <laughs> Manscape.com. So, <laughs> exactly. So after like looking at Giant Gonzalez, I like he's running at the Royal Rumble. He was like you know this big guy was like nearly eight foot tall, like stuck towering over the Undertaker. You know it was pretty impressive to look at. But yeah, then the bell rang, as Bruce Richard would say. But um, oh, it was so bad. And you know, I mean, Undertaker matches during them days wasn't it wasn't nothing like what he'd done later on in life. But um, the Giant Gonzalez. People say the great Cali was bad, which he is, but Giant Gonzalez couldn't actually hit a move. And the end of the match was so weird, like just basically <laughs> like getting a finger chloroform like on a on a rag to knock the taker out and um <laughs> macho man selling it. Ooh, can you smell that? <laughs> I'm like, no macho, <laughs> I can't smell it. <laughs> um, it smells like someone's going to turn in the ring. <laughs> yeah. I love Savage as well, but there was no save in this. And uh, whenever you see The Undertaker's, like, you know, highlight packages for his WrestleMania, you don't very often see this match get shown. And for good reason, <laughs> it was so terrible. And, uh, you know, I know you mentioned the Bushwhackers Rouges, which I think has actually been voted the worst WrestleMania match of all time. Um, I would probably put a claim. In fact, this is probably number two. So, uh, yeah, I would say my final pick would be this match because it was just terrible. Yeah, uh, Jane Gonzalez has been haunting me recently. I, uh, I recorded a podcast with um, Sam and Powell, uh, and we were talking about war games, and he's actually in one of the war games matches. Well, he's not in the match. He comes out to to carry Brian Pillman out of the war games match. Yeah, That's that, right, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, the, how... I mean... It, it must be just because of the spectacle of having someone near enough eight foot in the ring that he, he got work as a wrestler because he was god-awful. Yeah. I know, um, like, because I think he, um, he used to be a 
basketball player. He was mm-hmm. rather, he used to be a basketball player in Argentina, or he's from Argentina, one or two. Yeah. And they said by the time he got into wrestling, like his knees was like completely gone. And um, so, you know, I mean, that might have something to do with it, but he didn't near a wrestling ring. And um, yeah, it was just terrible. But um, God, I think he's passed away. So God bless him. But um, yeah, not a great match. <laughs> No, um, it's a horrific pick and well worth it being on a, a Mount Richmond of the worst pair for you matches. Uh, part Paul, of the streak, that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's the only disqualification win that, that he's got, I think, on his, on his streak. Yeah. That's horrific. That could have ended the streak. Just think if that was the match that ended the streak. Well, it, it technically wasn't much of a streak then, but that could have been potentially the one... Yeah. The one soiling stain on on the streak. Yeah. 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 DQ with. <laughs> so, Paul, on to you to potentially round off our Mount Rushmore. Okay, you're vetoing this one anyway because I think we we I think we strongly disagree on this match. I know I I know you I know you're a fan of it and I'm really not. It, it better not be Pit, uh, Patterson versus Briscoe. No, I love Patterson and Briscoe. Oh, good. Thank God for yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> one of my, fa- my favourite moments ever is when uh, is it Briscoe pins Patterson when he's asleep. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. celebrates he's really quietly. And he's like... <laughs> <laughs> I've, really, I've actually got a bit of news regarding uh, Briscoe. Look at look at James coming on our show, <laughs> dropping, <laughs> dropping news as an exclusive. <laughs> I might be actually uh, not interviewing him, but you know his son uh, Wes Briscoe. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think he's coming onto the show because he's uh, rather his wife or his partner uh, Red Velvet. She's been in the uh, AW lately on AW Dark, and uh, I think the two of, uh, well I've messaged them and they want to come on. And so oh, I think the two of them might be coming onto the show like this oh, week brilliant. or next week. Oh, it'd be, be interesting. Cool. It'd be interesting. It will be interesting, like being the son of like a. Lady legendary guy like Jerry and uh, going through developmental and not working out and then like going to impact in that eight, and eight angle so it'll be interesting so yeah I thought I'd just share that with you now because we're talking about the risk <laughs> yeah that, that sounds like it'll be a, a, a fun interview definitely perfect segue there okay. um, I, I don't think you'll be interviewing either of these two guys not yet anyway um, I, I, I hope you do but um, I'm going for Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan at SummerSlam 2005. I've got it as a pick. You've got it as a pick. Mm. I thought you liked this match, or I thought uh, I thought I thought you were a fan yeah. of. Fan I'll, of I'll, I'll, I'll read off the uh, opening part that I that I put for my on, research. On, I put technically this wasn't an awful match, and in truth, as a fan, it was highly entertaining. Uh, seeing Ho- uh, HBK oversell the offense of Hogan to the point of parody is hilarious. But what makes it the worst match is that it's a clash of the two biggest egos and the two biggest politicers in wrestling. Well, yeah, I've got yeah, I agree with that. I've got I've gone for a slightly different angle on it. I th- I think it's a wasted match. Um, I, th- I think that I think there's glimpses in that match of how good it could have been, because because there are points in that match where it is actually quite a, quite a decent match. But f- for me, the antics of Shawn Michaels throughout. A, a, just an embarrassment and i and i watch it thinking if if i was sat here with someone who was new to wrestling 
and this was the first <laughs> match they watch. And given Hulk Hogan was in it, and people know Shawn Michaels as well, um, it could have potentially drawn people to watch it. If they'd have seen that, they would have been laughing at me. Mm-hmm. Um, because it just looked so so ridiculous, so stupid. Um, like you said, it, was, it, it did go beyond parody. Um, and and I, I don't find it enjoyable to watch myself. I, I, think it's, I think it's pretty pretty shitty and pretty unprofessional, regardless of how shitty and unprofessional Hulk Hogan's been over his career. Um, I, I believe I believe it occurred because they were due to have, um, and you can correct me on this, Max, I know you're more familiar with it, but I think they were due to have three face versus face matches culminating mm-hmm. in a in a steel cage yep. and then somewhere along the line it got changed a it got changed that Shawn michaels would be the heel um which let's face it Shawn michaels is a better heel than the face anyway um and going up against hulk yeah. hogan that makes sense and of and then obviously that i think the real kick of Shawn michaels was that um hogan hogan expressed that he only wanted it to be one match because of an injury but, and again, he was probably like 78 at the time. So he's he probably, he probably telling the truth. Hogan, Hogan maintains that Vince changed the, the heel face dynamic and he just did what Vince wanted to do. But, um, but yeah, I think it was the, of course he did. <laughs> it, 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 it was the change, changing from a, from a free match series to a one match series that Hogan was going to win that Michaels took most umbrance with. And as you said, f- throughout the match oversold pretty much every move to the point of um being taking a taking a big boot to the face he dropped down to the mat and flip back up and drop again and spin uh, <laughs> being hung up on the top turnbuckle and being kicked in the midriff shot him <laughs> a further four foot in the air um it, it was it was quite the spectacle uh, and yeah like i said for me it was their only match in their career their only singles match um build as icon versus icon and it just com- completely uh completely ruined it for me um because because even at that time hogan was having you know decent ish matches in WWE, did doing what hogan does um and then Shawn michaels obviously the, the next night on raw cut a very um that, that a very promo. <laughs> sarcastic promo kind of uh <laughs> summing up exactly what he felt the night before so even even having 24 hours to to reflect on his behavior he was a uh, he was standing by it completely. Um, I just think Shawn Michaels is a dick, really. And I, I know Hulk Hogan's a dick, but Shawn Michaels oh, is a Oh, Shawn's a bigger dick. Yeah, Shawn is a bigger dick. <laughs> Easily. Yeah. So I'm yeah. putting that on. It was one of my picks. Like I said, uh, I, I, I did a little bit of research into that, the, the post interviews that they've done that over the last, over the last few years or so. Uh, and they both kind of knew... They were in the wrong. Hogan still kind of blames um, Vince, saying it was Vince's decision. But he kind of does see where uh, he was harder to work with, and and Shawn Michaels clearly says he was. He felt like he was unprofessional, uh, but he wanted to to make Hogan earn the win, uh, and he was he, he was gonna basically just ridicule him because he felt like he'd been he'd been. Um, uh, Overlooked by Hogan, um, but you know what? I'm still going to veto it. But you might, yeah, just because I'm a dick, like like Shawn Michaels. Actually, you you are you are the Shawn Michaels of uh, of Badlands. And I'm gonna. <laughs> what, does that make me the Marty Janetti? 
that you are so very much the margin there. You will uh, get rid of a Garby and a, a bowling alley very, very soon, I think. <laughs> I'm going to replace it with uh, another match from uh, WrestleMania 9 uh, with uh, James's uh, Undertaker versus Giant Gonzalez match. And I'm going to replace it with another Hulk Hogan match. Yeah, this is fair. This is one of my picks as well. Yeah, uh, so if you kind of don't know the story, uh, basically at WrestleMania 9, Bret Hart was defending against uh, Yokozuna, uh, and after quite a a brief match, uh, Bret lost his title uh, after Mr. Fuji uh, interfered. And now, outraged by this, Bret's best friend forever, Hulk Hogan, emerged from backstage (laughs) to come and, and comfort Bret. Uh, and for for reasons only known to to himself, Mr. Fuji challenged Hogan to a match against Yokozuna right there and then. Uh, Hogan accepted uh, with the wishes of Brett, clearly uh, <laughs> given when he, he waved off whilst he was still pretending to be affected by the salt. Uh, Hogan hit the big boot, leg drop, and wins his fifth WF, uh, WWF title in 22 seconds. Um, yeah, the reason why this goes on, not because of Hogan winning the title in 22 seconds, but it was a clear example of Hogan being the political little dickhead that he was for all that time. It had to be the one on the top at WrestleMania. Hogan must pause, and he screwed over, who was arguably the best wrestler in the world back then in Bret Hart. To, I thought you were going to say be- Yokozuna then. <laughs> To be fair, Yoko was probably a better wrestler than Hogan at that time. He was, at least he was able to like climb the top ropes and do moves like that. But yeah, he, uh, Hogan screwed Bret Hart, um, and then Bret, who uh, seemed to have a fascination with getting screwed by the WWF, uh, uh, would yeah. would soon leave the company. And yeah, so I'm going to replace uh, Hogan versus Shawn Michaels with Hogan versus Yokozuna. Oh, nothing, I, nothing I do about it. Do, do, do we know that was Hogan politicking? Is, is there any evidence? Come that? on, yeah. Eight have you years read, previous. Uh, have you read Brett's book? No. Uh, yeah, he he said it was Hogan. Um, he was he apparently said like to the day of the show he was booked to win. Uh, he was booked to retain the title, and uh, he got that from Fence himself. And then Fence tried to say that's what you thought you had. Mm-hmm. And uh, he saw Hogan at. He said for he said the few days before and or the f- couple of weeks before and he, he saw Hogan, but Hogan kind of kept himself to himself, wouldn't really interact with Brett. But then the day of the event, Hogan was like, "Oh, all right, brother, oh, I can't wait to work later on, brother." And um, then Brett got told what happened. But obviously, Brett wasn't happy. But what could Brett do? And um, Hogan, well, uh, Fence said we're going to make it up to you. That's one of the reasons he won the King of the Ring was to make it up to him. And uh, and the original plan as well for SummerSlam of that year, it was going to be Brett Free Hogan for the time. And they actually done a photo shoot and the, the two of them was like a tug of war for the belt. And uh, I think there is a picture of it somewhere online because I've definitely have seen it, but. It's hard to try. Um, you've got people like Bruce Pritchard and that says, oh, that's not true. But Bruce Pritchard, his show is entertaining. But I'll be honest, I, I haven't really listened to his show for a while. And the man's a compulsive liar. Uh, listen to my Nick Holders interview. <laughs> 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 but um, 
<laughs> but yeah, um, Brett said it. You know, Hogan did play the card, and apparently Brett went to Hogan afterwards. And no, Brett went to Hogan after Fence told Brett what was happening, and Brett confronted Hogan about it. And um, it was rather after this event, or it was, ju- or when he realised SummerSlam match will get cancelled, and Hogan's supposed to say to Brett, "You don't know the full story, brother. It's out of my hands." So I like to believe it's Hogan that done it, but it might have been a bit of both with him and Fence. But yeah, if you read Brett's book, uh, he, I, I forgot what everything he said, like word for word, but he's pretty convinced it was Hogan, which it makes sense. That's, that's more evidence than I've heard from Max. <laughs> <laughs> He said everything I was gonna say. <laughs> I just feel, just feel like Vince is so strong-willed. I, I, or did Hulk Hogan have a, a hold over Vince? I think it was because Hogan drew so much money. Yeah. If you look yeah. at like the likes of Cena now, or Cena over the past decade or so, because Cena drew so much money, if Cena pitched an idea, the Nexus being buried, for example, that that was apparently Cena's idea that he kind of super Cena and, and won. Vince is going to go over it. <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not going to break another story, but I got something with Nexus coming up. <laughs> I hope you haven't got a bit of bad news for us. Oh, I wish. I hope, um, I hope it's Heath. Is it Heath? No, it's actually the Black John Cena. He was often referred to as that because he looked so much like Cena. Who's that? Well, from from the Nexus, like David Atunga. Now Darren Young. Oh, oh wow. wow. That's a great yeah. guess. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, emailed me this morning, and uh, I think we're getting it sorted out next week or two. Look at that. He's dropped about four or five bombshells for that for his show on, on, this, on this Badlands episode. I know. If, if we ever want this episode to finish, this. we just have to mention dead people from now on. Yeah, <laughs> you're getting, getting the scoops, guys. Come on, you're getting, getting the scoops. Breaking these talk spot. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the scoops while it happens. I haven't listened to talk spot in such a long time because after I realised that the son owns them, and being a Liverpool fan, I won't listen to them. Fair play. I think, I think Paul pretends to be a Liverpool fan you. as well. Well, I'm. I'm I, <laughs> They were my boyhood team. I'm I'm not really I'm not really big into football anymore, but um I was I was I was happy to see them win. <laughs> it was a great win. Um right, James, what we need from you now, sir, is a, a topic for a future guest. Um what kind of Mount Rushmore would you like to hear about? Maybe possibly worst pay per views ever. Oh, <laughs> not that I'm that. trying I, to I, sway I... the electorate. <laughs> I, I I'm tempted to do that. Um, I'll tell you what I'll do because Halloween is not too far around the corner. My kids love uh, Pennywise. Uh, I'm a terrible father, by the way. Just um, <laughs> <laughs> letting them watch that. Letting them watch that kind of stuff. Uh, top four clowns in wrestling. Oh wow! I think that'd be interesting. Obviously, you got your obvious choice, but. Um, I can think of a couple of us who I would like I've, to pick. I've but, got um... my pick straight away. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> ICP. <laughs> no. Well, at least, uh, at least it's my my turn to go first next week, so I can have Doink. <laughs> well, Doink, Doink will be one of them. Uh, let me just get Doink my research off. up because I involved him in a, in some of my uh, matches. Uh, I would have uh, Doink, obviously, and then I'd have Dink. 
then wink and pink. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit of a big topic, this. Yeah, uh, there's quite a few. Yeah, on, should be fun. I've got, uh, I like Crazy Steve from a fan of Crazy Steve Impact Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't give Paul any any help. He'll be saying no, Crazy Steve, straight away. First pick. Who was telling us about Crazy Steve the other day? Was it not Colin? Was it Colin? Yeah. Apparently, apparently, Crazy Steve is registered blind. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that's right. We never knew that until Colin from Synergy told us. I don't think it was Colin. I think it was the. Was it not the? Was it not Dan? I think it was Dan. Yes, it was Dan. Yes. Yeah, you're right. It's a great topic, though. It'll be fun to research uh, wrestling clowns. Looking forward like to it. it. Really like it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, James, let everyone know where they can uh, take and get out of you on social media, where they can get out of your podcast uh, for all these uh, exclusive interviews that you, you've been dropping bombs on us. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, everyone, well, thanks uh, for listening. Um, yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at 90s Wrestling Pod. Uh, you'll see a big uh, picture of my lovely face. Uh, I'm, on, I'm also on Instagram, that 90s Wrestling Podcast. And uh, I've actually um, got a Facebook page as well, which I'm not really active on Facebook, uh, so it's no point going on there. Uh, my main focus now is the YouTube channel, so you'll find that, that 90s Wrestling Podcast. But like I said earlier, I'm also um, still putting the content um, podcast form, that 90s wrestling podcast, which you can find me on Anchor, um, Spotify, and all your good uh, listening places. And uh, yeah, I've got a funny story to tell you as well before we sign off. You'll <laughs> um, be better than Paul's intro. This happened to me the other day. For damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my uh, normal job I've got, I'm a builder. Um, so I was leaving a message uh, for a gentleman. So it said, leave your message after telling boop. And normally I would go, hi, this is James from such and such company. Just calling in regards. So that's what I would normally say. So I know it's coming. I've been so used to doing, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So because I've, so, so I've been so used to doing my intro, they went, leave a message after telling boop. Hello, this is James from my teacher's Slim Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realised I was like, shit, delete, delete. <laughs> and, and I'm here to flag your driveway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that's so, brilliant. Oh, I, I told my brother, my brother's the most casual wrestling fans. He checks out my show once in a while, but he's the most casual fans. I told him, I told him, like, even my friend doesn't watch wrestling that. They pissed themselves laughing. <laughs> but uh, it was fun. <laughs> it's a great story. Um, Paul, your favourite time of the week. Time yeah, to I, get I, rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> I have a similar problem because I, uh, I I just fluff saying goodbye to everyone now. And uh, it takes 10 minutes to get through any goodbye I ever do. Um, <laughs> see, even, even cracking that joke, I've thrown myself off my outro. <laughs> I I shouldn't bother thank you for listening everyone Um, hope you enjoyed another episode of Badlands Um, if you want to hear more from us you can you can find our um, some of our vintage episodes over on the Smart to Death Network Um, just type in Smart to Death Network on your uh, 
podcast engine of choice. If you want to hear more from from Magsy, um, you can find him on Twitter at Dej Kirkby. You can find some of his other excellent podcasts like Why We Watch, um, Talk at the Table, and Five Rounds Pod over on the Visionaries Global Media um, Visionaries Global Media Visionaries Podcast Global Network. Media. Yeah, you can find me over on Five Nerds Go. That's at Five Nerds Go, and again, type Five Nerds Go into your uh, into your podcast machine. And obviously, if you want our up to date episodes um, each and every week, follow the uh, at Cheershot Media or, or subscribe to Cheershot Radio Network, um, where we release every Thursday. Um, we will release next Thursday. Um, yeah, join us again. Uh, Until then, stay safe and always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.